Hey, everybody. Welcome to Podcast on Fifth Avenue, your new locale for all things Penguins and, yeah, hockey-related Pittsburgh stuff. I'm Jordan, along with Taylor and Jenna, and we just kind of want to introduce ourselves and talk about who we are and what we're going to be doing with this podcast. Uh, So, Taylor, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I mean, our podcast is on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm one of the Penguins writers uh, for DK Pittsburgh Sports, uh, along with Dave Molinari. Uh, I've been working here since December of 2015. I've been covering the Penguins full-time a little over, I'm going to say two years now. Uh, Timeline's messy, but (laughs) I like, yeah, uh, covering the Penguins and then especially focusing on the prospects. I do like a lot of Wilkes-Barre stuff. Um, the guys in Europe and juniors in college and stuff like that. So uh, we're going to be able to talk about like some good prospect stuff here too. That's exciting. Jenna, mm-hmm. what about you? Well, hello, hello. Um, I'm Jenna Harner. I moved to Pittsburgh. I always joke in the middle of a pandemic that I think we're still <laughs> currently in the midst of. Uh, I moved here March of 2020. I work for WPXI. I'm a sports anchor and reporter with them, um, covering Steelers, Penguins, Pirates, Pitt, pretty much everything Pittsburgh sports. But um, I'd be lying if I said that hockey wasn't my favorite. Hockey is always my favorite. So covering the Penguins has kind of been the coolest thing ever for me. It was like a dream of mine as a kid. So now I'm here. I'm pinching myself that I'm doing it. So um, do a lot of reporting on the Penguins with WPXI, kind of alongside Taylor. There are partners with uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports. So I'm just excited to be here with you guys. And, you know, we get to talk some hockey. What's better than that? Yeah. Literally nothing. <laughs> yep. That's right. So my name, my name is Jordan DeFigio. I have the least experience out of the three of us. And <laughs> I grew up in Pittsburgh, grew up a Pittsburgh sports fan and hockey has my heart as well. So the fact that I get to work alongside these two incredible women and talk about the Penguins for a podcast is just, I, it's beyond my comprehension. I'm so excited. I, I grew up watching the team. I, I just love the team. I officially became a season ticket holder this year. So <laughs> I, I just have a real passion for the sport and the team and am really looking forward to a season of covering them uh, with both of you. I'm so excited. Jenna, did you grow up a, a Sabres fan from, from Buffalo? So I grew up, I feel like I get a lot of flack from this. So it's funny, I'm originally from Connecticut, which everybody's always just like, okay, you're from Buffalo. I was like, I moved here, but I'll always, <laughs> always have a place for, you know, hockey in my heart. But I grew up a Boston Bruins fan, which I know okay. is a little bit of, you know, ugh, <laughs> I will say I'm kind of more just like a hockey fan in general. My dad was really the one that got me into the sport. He actually, fun facts, my dad went to college uh, and lived on the same floor as Brian Burke, Penguins uh, president of Hockey Ops. Um, when I was doing an interview with uh, Burke last year or last season, um, I had mentioned, you know, my dad had ever said, you know, hey, if you ever, you know, interview him, just, you know, potentially see if he remembers. And I'm like, at the end of the interview, I'm like, okay, Brian, like, I have to ask. And, you know, he's like, oh my God. He's like, I remember your dad. And he's going off about my dad. And I'm like, oh, my grandma. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. So That's awesome. Long story short, basically, my dad's a big hockey fan. So we kind of just hockey was always on in my house. And we were Bruins fans, obviously being from Connecticut, too. Um, my parents were big Hartford Whalers fans. So the Carolina Hurricanes are a big point of contention mm. in our house. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. That was actually my first sporting event, too. At like five months, my parents took me to a Whalers game. So wow. it was like old school, old school for sure. 
I'm I'm originally from Baltimore, so I grew up going to Caps games, and like I, I did intern for the Caps in college, um, doing like video stuff, the Caps Wizards and like the Mystics, the WNBA team. But um, but I mean, I, I always grew up like following Pittsburgh, you know, teams, and I always wanted to move here. Um, so never was a Caps fan, but I did I did intern for them. So <laughs> good. Yeah. Welcome. We're glad to have you here. <laughs> I love so it. The better of the cities, for sure. Yeah. The, I don't know. The food in Baltimore, though. Uh, crabs. Ooh. <laughs> like, yeah. can I do Miss Wings? Like, so much. I'm so excited to go to Buffalo for the Steelers season opener this week just to have the wings. Like, everybody... Uh -huh. Pittsburgh does great wings. I will say all of the wings I've had here in Pittsburgh have been incredible, but there's just something, I don't know what, I mean, they're the birthplace of wings. <laughs> I mean, that's the story of it, but my yeah. goodness, the, every wing I've had in Buffalo, like you can just go to a random place, a random bar, random restaurant, and their wings are out of this world. They're so good. That's like how crab cakes are in Baltimore. It's like, because you, you can get them everywhere. Like, it doesn't have to be a seafood place. And it's like, maybe like the dumpier the restaurant looks, it's like maybe the, the better the crab dip is. Um, that's the one thing I, I miss. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking for, I know my, my first road trip is, is Buffalo, though, uh, of the season. Like, Ooh. the yeah, the right. season game. I know I'm doing that. So, um, nice. I have to get some wings. You have to give me some recommendations. I got you. Barbell Tavern. I'd like, they're not a sponsor of this podcast, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> the advertising, sure. But they, oh my gosh, their Cajun honey butter barbecue wings are, they hand paint the wings with sauce. Oh my God. They, they go like with a brush? They all out. They take the brush. It's just, it's magical. Oh. It's a magical experience oh. and everybody needs to have it in their lives. Oh my gosh. Jordan, have you been able to? so hungry. <laughs> Oh have you been able to see the penguins like on the road at all have you traveled to see them not a lot i if ever uh i think the only hockey game that i've attended outside of pittsburgh was in nashville and it was in oh my gosh when was it it would have been 2016 i think they played the st louis blues and it was very very lightly attended because that was before people in nashville knew that hockey existed there um <laughs> But that's its own thing. Uh, yeah, so I haven't really traveled much to watch the Penguins because I've either been in Nashville or been here. But that's that's kind of season ticket holder was first on my bucket list. And then travel to see the Penguins play is next on my bucket list. So just checking them off one thing at a time. So hopefully do, this season we'll get into do it. Do either of you have uh, like, like an arena you really want to travel to, cover a game in, or, or just watch a game in? Jenna, what's I'm yours? Vegas. Oh my, like Ooh. just the way that they've taken over. And again, I, of course my dad comes back into play here, but him and his buddies and my uncle will always do kind of a road trip at some point throughout the season where they'll do like a hockey trip. And Vegas was one of theirs mm. a couple of years ago. And he said the atmosphere is just the craziest, coolest thing ever. Yeah. And this is, you know, I've seen games at TD Garden, obviously at PBG Paints Arena, like Penguins fans go all out. But I just like witnessing how much of a production they make it. Oh, I just, I can't wait to cover a yeah. game at some point. Oh my gosh. I, I personally really want to go to Madison Square Garden just because of the the history around it. And I have some friends in New York, the, that area, Philly, Jersey. 
So I would love to go see the Penguins play in that in that space because it's just it has so much history to it and I have a place to stay for free. Um, and and I, I think like the Rangers are on the up and up. So to be able to see them play in person against the Penguins on their home ice, I feel like that would be a really cool experience with with the talent that they have at this point in time. I feel like it would be a good matchup. Seeing them on home ice would be really fun. Vegas was going to be mine too. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I don't know. I I love the newer buildings. I know like some of the older ones have have character, and that's it's cool to see those. But, yeah, I mean the newer ones, like the stuff that they're able to do with like the pregame uh, production and all that. Like Detroit, I of the buildings I've been to, Detroit's my favorite. Um, really. Yeah, just their pregame, like the projections on the ice, and they—I mm-hmm. don't know—they start out with like all their banners, like, uh, like kind of hidden, and like they descend like in smoke, and oh it's like it's so dramatic. And I, I know I do get to go to Vegas this year because um the All Star game. So oh, that's uh, awesome! I'm gonna cover the All Star game, um, <laughs> in Vegas. So I, I, I can't wait to see what kind of production they put on for for that. Oh wow. I'm supremely jealous. That is going to be just such an <laughs> awesome experience. Have you done the press box at MSG? I I haven't. No, Dave's taken those those trips mm. since I've I've been here. No, it's, it's I, so wild. It's like it's over the ice. Yeah, those older buildings. I another just interesting press press box. Then you're like Calgary. I haven't been there, but it's it's like on the other side of the elevator. So you, you have to like walk across the bridge over <laughs> top of the ice, which is crazy. Um, it's like this yeah. catwalk. Every, I feel like I've heard that from so many people that have covered the, you know, that have covered the flames. It's just like, oh no, you have to walk fully over the, like you're walking directly above the ice. People with heights like don't do well at all. What? Yeah, it, it, yeah it's wild. <laughs> like, it's crazy. I, 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 I feel like I'm never gonna take that trip just because it's normally on a Winnipeg trip and, and day in Texas, but um, yeah. so I get out of doing that one. But <laughs> I don't know. I do always like the Buffalo trip though, just because the food in the press box is like tops around the league. I think like last time with their pre-pandemic, they had like cheesecake in the press box like for free. Oh my God. What? I I could go on about the Sabers press box food because that was all like that was my diet for a good year and a half. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was like, they would have, they always had Wegmans sushi, which everyone is like grocery store sushi. Like I don't no, know. Wegmans is next level. <laughs> if you guys need anything from Wegmans, I got you covered this week. Oh <laughs> yes. Bring it back. Give me a list. I got you guys covered. <laughs> they would have like Wegmans sushi. They for a while had mini cinnamon donuts that were warm. They were like this big. <laughs> They had like caramel sauce you could put on. I'm like, I literally would go up to like, oh I, you Lord. know, be friends with all the people. And I'm like, are you guys trying to, you know, give me, make me gain like 20 pounds? <laughs> like really, I'm coming with like my healthy dinner. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> mini donuts. Okay. Even like during the pandemic, you know, when they didn't have like food out like that, they did have like just amazing like prepackaged cookies. Like when I was there, <laughs> like uh, the other like, you know, Penguins writers who traveled with weird, I don't know. I was stuffing them in my bag. Other people were stuffing <laughs> their bags. <laughs> the food. That's yeah. I'm looking forward to things getting back to normal. Just <laughs> for the press box. Just for the back. food. <laughs> Strictly oh, like bring back press box food with like the candy they had. The Sabers had always had like Sour Patch Kids or peach rings. I was like, again, I'm sold. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like yeah, you haven't you haven't been to like a PPG 
you know, press box in, in normal times. But they do it all right. You get like popcorn, goldfish, they have like nachos. Um, the big thing is like the soft pretzels. So you oh gotta, my like, God. You gotta get them right when they put them out and they're still warm. Those are good, but um, I don't know, nothing beats Buffalo's food. <laughs> <laughs> my lord so i need good. to find my way to a buffalo press box basically is what you're saying yes yeah okay <laughs> or come I, I, to the sabers penguins game find us and we got you we got the okay up. perfect <laughs> that's all i need to do okay great my god food oh yeah incredible incredible yeah so yeah we'll be talking a lot about the penguins and also food at various arenas across the country <laughs> so it's gonna be you're in for a wild ride this season is what it seems like it's gonna be good stuff We are back. So one of the most noteworthy events to happen this offseason was the addition of the Seattle Kraken to the NHL. So there was an expansion draft and the Penguins lost some players, unfortunately, more than one as a casualty of said expansion draft. So let's go into the details of that, because the way that the Penguins handled it was interesting with the the Jared McCann trade and the Brandon Tan like uh, the way that they handled it was curious so I just want to hear your thoughts on all of that Taylor what do you think what, what was that yeah I mean part of it is the uh the salary cap and managing that I, if they would have kept if they would have you know stuck to just losing one guy in the expansion draft and would have had to keep um you know, maybe McCann's salary. Um, mm -hmm. That would have been tight. I mean, because even right now, I think they're like hundred thousand dollars from the from the salary cap. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I I still think maybe you could have kept one of them and then just gone without signing. You know, Pine and McGinn, um, mm -hmm. and let one of the young guys come up and take you know their spot instead um, for nine hundred thousand or whatever kind of contract they're on. Um, I mean, but those are two really big big losses. Uh, I don't know. I think when I was, when I was putting together like my, my mock, you know, lists and draft and all, I, it always came down to which one of those two I would protect. I would have left Carter exposed. Um, I, I don't think they would have taken Carter. Um, mm -hmm. just because if you look at the way, you know, Seattle, they built their roster. Um, it, it doesn't look like they're going to be contenders this coming season, like Vegas did. Um, yeah they kind of set themselves up more for the future. You saw, you know, I think after the expansion draft, they had like $30 million in cap space. Like they weren't maybe taking the best guys they possibly could. And they were thinking more about the future. So I think, you know, keeping that in mind, I don't think they would have taken Jeff Carter, 36 years old, if you would have left him exposed. So I think maybe payments could have handled it better, exposed Carter, protect one of Tanev or McCann. Um, I don't know, but Hollander, who they got back for for McCann in the in the trade, I, it, really they were so depleted with like forward prospects other than like Poulin and like Gray. Really, I mean there are a couple of other exciting ones like Pustin and um, Bjorkqvist, Valerie, but um, Hollander that's that's a huge get, especially um, you know given the Penguins' uh, shallow prospect pool. I think it was just so interesting too with the fact that they didn't leave Carter exposed because I think that clearly shows how much they value him and how much I think they're really going to need him to be that second line center 
with the fact that Malkin's going to be out at least we don't know entirely, but seemingly he's going to miss the start of training camp. I just kind of feel like I'm anticipating him being out a little bit longer um, and, you know, starting the season with Carter at that second line position. Granted, we haven't really heard an update from the Penguins in a while, so he could be making really good progress. We don't entirely know, but I think that kind of showed how much they valued Carter. But it was just so interesting to me, too, the way that it all worked out, because especially with Brandon Tanev and the way that Seattle built their team, I think Seattle just like Brandon Tanev fits that identity so (laughs) well. It's just kind of like almost too perfect in that sense. And it's funny, I actually have a friend um, from Seattle who had texted me when they announced the Kraken. He was like, all right, put the expansion draft on your calendar. I'm going to need you to help me pick whose jersey I get. He's diving all (laughs) into hockey, which I'm like, I love that. Honestly, you're welcome. We're bringing you into the world. But (laughs) who is... Tanev's name kind of was out there. And as soon as it kind of became official, I texted him immediately. I was like, all right, I got your guy. Like there's just there's no no questions about it. He's like, tell me about him. You know, I was describing Tanev's style of play, how he's kind of like a scrappy bottom six guy. Um, and I was I sent him the headshot from last year. And I was like, oh, the whole story behind the headshot. He goes, Oh my God, he's a beauty. So He's going to fit in really well, seemingly there. But, I mean, it's definitely tough with the fact that, you know, the way that the Penguins moved and made the moves, I think they kind of almost anticipated getting McCann out because of the fact that they might thought that Seattle was going to go for them if they Mm -hmm. go for him and left him unprotected. But then you unprotect Tanev, and Tanev's kind of that perfect role fit to go there. So now they'll both be in Seattle, which will be very interesting as well. Yeah, it's it's funny. Those two, they – where they fought it. Uh, it was the camp before the the bubble playoffs last year. <laughs> they fought each other during a scrimmage. It wasn't like a like an intense fight. Like it was broken up quick, but they went at each other. Uh, and almost a year <laughs> to the day later, they're both cracking. But um, <laughs> but actually, what you're saying about Malkin, I I did ask Hexel. It was like the day after the expansion draft if the decision to protect four centers, you know, if the centers mm-hmm. they did it, if Malkin's you know status had you know, affected that. And he said, he said, yeah, that was, that was a factor here. So they're being especially careful there, but yeah, Tanev, he's, he's going to be a fan favorite there. I remember when they introduced the team and uh, the crowd, he already had them going. Um, And I mean, the headshot on our other, the 66 to 87 podcast, we had the Kraken's uh, radio broadcaster on Everett Fitzhugh and he interviewed Tanev after um, that kind of, you know, reveal show and all. And he asked him, you know, uh, for asked Tana for like a fun fact about himself. And Tana said that um, his eyes are always very big in his headshot. So I think like <laughs> that means it's intentional. And I don't know if you can one up his headshot from from last season, but uh, I don't know. I guess we'll find out if the Kraken's arena is haunted because the city's all ghosted. The Penguins arena. Oh my God. Can something that new be haunted? Probably. But. Um. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna sure miss him so much. I, he just his energy. He was like mm-hmm. that even like off the ice. Um, <laughs> the the thing like I remember about him. Um, so they play like their pregame soccer um, yeah. around like five p.m. And on days where there isn't a morning skate and Sullivan doesn't talk, he'll talk around like that time outside of the Penguins uh, locker room and like just around the corners where they play soccer. And if you listen to like 
listen back to like a lot of like my recordings of like Sullivan talking, it sounds like there are bombs going off and like it's <laughs> screaming and it's it's Tana like running into like the door or the wall and like <laughs> just yelling and um, I don't know. I mean, Sullivan would like apologize sometime, like sorry about the soccer game, but uh, you know it's just <laughs> Tana going full speed like. The way he is on the ice, that's just how he is off the ice mm. in general in the locker room. Uh, <sighs> yeah, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss seeing that outside of the locker room. <laughs> their, their sewer wall games. <sighs> that was the chaotic energy that we needed to carry us through the pandemic. And now that it's gone, it's like <laughs> we're kind of hung over. Like now what? What do we do? <laughs> oh, God. And he was uh, just like, he grew on fans so much. That was so interesting to see as someone who kind of mm -hmm. came in at the time he was like growing around, fans were growing around him, rallying around him because I think everybody just, you know, initially when he signed his contract, people were kind of a little bit confused. Oh, that's too much. Why are you paying a bottom guy that much money? And then people really started to see his personality, what he brought, his ability, you know, just all of all of what he had and what he was able to bring to that Penguins team. And I think fans were immediately like, oh, my gosh, who is this guy? Why haven't we been around him more? Um, but it is going to be exciting, too, just to kind of, um, you know, see what he does with Seattle. Obviously, you know, I think a lot of people here wish him all the best, as, you know, I definitely do for the brief times that I met him over, you know, Zoom interviews last year. But, um, you know, he was definitely a guy that a lot of Penguins fans, you know, really, really, really fell in love with. It, it kind of reminds me of like Cody CC, like when Tanev signed, like you mentioned, like a lot of people were outraged about like the contract term, the money, whatever. Then he leaves, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it's, it's a huge loss. And Cody CC was the same way. I remember seeing tweets like, after they bought out Jack Johnson, people joking like, "Now Rutherford's gonna go out and do something totally goofy, like sign Cody Ceci," and then he, they did. <laughs> and like I was like, "Oh, even even though it was like you know a cheap deal, one year, uh, people were mad." But then you saw how he fit in with Matheson, and mm -hmm. Matheson really plays like a high risk, you know, high reward kind of game. And Ceci was, you know, he was a really good guy to have uh, paired with him. And then you uh, when he when he leaves, it's like you know everyone, everyone's outraged too. Um, but I mean, yeah, he he earned that what three and three and a half million, I think it was, with with Edmonton over yeah. four years. Um, yeah. I know people are mad. I, I've a lot of people phrase that like the Penguins let him walk, but um, I I don't know. I if even if they had the money to to offer him that, I, who you know, same terms, same everything. Like who's to say he would have taken it anyway? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you get the chance to go play with Edmonton. I think in four years, Edmonton's going to be a better spot than the Penguins are. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know, but replacing him, that's probably the biggest thing uh, that they didn't address this offseason for sure. Because it looks like it's either going to be Chad Ruido or, or Mark Friedman taking that spot on the right side. Um, I don't know. I'd love to see Friedman, though. Just watching, I don't know if you guys remember, like, the games against Philly, especially. It was, <laughs> I mean, his former team, I, I remember watching it, like, what happened here? Because it looked, they were, the way they were going after him. And... Mm -hmm the way it seemed like he really enjoyed giving it back to them, like celebrating at their bench. Um, I don't know. I, so I'd love to see more of him. Yeah. Uh, Mark Friedman, but uh, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. Replacing CC. Which shocker. Yeah. Like you said, when they signed him initially, everybody lost their minds because it was like, Oh, it's Jack Johnson 2.0. Great. We got another <laughs> version of him to bring in and, 
be a dead weight on the ice, but he really proved everybody wrong, including me. I thought he was going to be terrible. That was just my expectation of him. And he really went out and gave it his all and performed really well. So the fact that they not only are having to make up for the loss of Brandon Tanev and Jared McCann, but now on the blue line, they have to find a way to compensate for the loss of Cody Cece. It's like, oh my gosh. And there really hasn't been that much movement this off season. So it's like, what is, oh my goodness, what is this season going to look like? Yeah. And I mean, seeing like the, the way the trade market worked out and, and like free agency, mm -hmm. they, they really couldn't have been, you know, big players. You know, yep. I don't think either way. Um, I mean, they don't have, like, I mean, we talk about like the prospects, mm -hmm. they don't have the prospects to be really moving out. They're not really in a position that they can keep moving out, you know, first round, second round picks because, you know, they're going to be in a rebuild at some point here. They can't keep trading the future. Um, but I don't know, and seeing how what some of these, you know, players are costing um, in free agency and what, you know, in terms of trades, that's really tough. I mean, because they, they were, I mean, obviously there's the flat cap, but then like Marino's deal is kicking in. They're still paying yep. Jack Johnson uh, about a million dollars this season, two million, almost two million dollars next season. So um, I don't know, they just need a salary cap to go back up because that's that's going to be tough. Yeah. yeah. And obviously we know what the pandemic did to the salary cap, mm -hmm. which is why I think so many teams were a little bit in a hard spot. And obviously a lot of teams had a, more money to spend than the pens did, but yeah, it's definitely like one of those, I think there was, it was an off season that people wanted to see a lot of moves, but like their hands were so tied mm -hmm. in a sense that they could only make some of the moves that they made that, you know, we're going to discuss in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's also why, like, so with the NHL, they're putting, uh, like, ad patches for, like, the following season. That's yeah. additional revenue. The cap isn't going back up until, you know, revenue reaches a certain amount. It's like I see people getting mad about, you know, the one little jersey patch. It's like that one little jersey patch could get you, like, a Cody Stacey replacement eventually. <laughs> so that's why, like, you know, I don't mind. Like, maybe that jersey patch, you know, equals what the Penguins are paying Jack Johnson for the next five years. So, oh, uh, stop saying his name. <laughs> it hurts. And remember, remember when everybody panicked about the logos on the helmets, and then how many times mm -hmm. like we even really wrecked, like noticed them during the yeah. season? I mean, I feel like it just was like, oh, the big PPG, and then all of a sudden, I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm not paying attention to the helmets. We just started oh, blending in. It was fine. It was fine because the Penguins they changed the color because what <laughs> it originally did really stand out. But yeah, yeah, stuff like that. It's not. I don't think it's that obtrusive. Um, and if it's going to make the salary cap can go go up that's a fine trade. At least dear God. Yes. <laughs> Raise the salary cap. We need it. We need it higher. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into looking ahead to the penguin season predictions, all that good stuff. in just a little bit, we'll take a break and be right back. We are back, and we're just a little over a month away from the start of the regular season now, which is crazy to think about. But uh, it's it's going to look a lot different than last year. And even though the regular season started in January, I think we got used to it. At least I did. The multiple games against the same team in a week it, and just playing the same seven teams over and over and over again. So there's... There's going to be a lot of change 
that kind of reverts us back to the way things were before, but feels really different. And <laughs> the penguins look a lot different this year. And we're approaching, as people like to very generously remind us all the time, the end of the Crosby, Malkin, Latang era. So this this is an interesting season. So let's talk about what what is there to look forward to in this season, Taylor? What do you what are you anticipating this coming season? Yeah, I don't know. This <laughs> this might be the year like the playoff streak ends. Just looking at you know a lot of the Metro teams got got a lot better. Um, yeah. I mean the Rangers uh, they got you know bigger, stronger. Other teams the pieces they added. Um, I don't know Carolina. I thought maybe might have taken a step back, but then you know they go out and get Kakaniemi and. Um, I mean, they took a step back in goal, losing Nadalkovich, but um, a lot of teams around the division, um, it, it's, it's going to be a tough division. Uh, the Penguins, I, I wouldn't necessarily say they got any better because, what, they replaced Tanov and McCann with McGinn and Heinen. I think, it, at least on paper, um, from what we know about them, it looks like maybe a, a step back in either case, and then replacing CeCe with either Ruido or Friedman. Uh, that, that's a step back. Um, again, there's still you know time before the season, and they could make a move moves during the season. Um, so I I don't know. This is probably it's probably some draft they're going to finish next season with. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be at least an exciting uh, di- you know it's going to be a tight division race. But uh, as far as like what to look forward to, I mean I'm I'm big into the prospects and especially you know with Malkin being out and there being you know some spots up for grabs. Uh, in the bottom six, guys like Poulin, Legere, Bjorkwist, Bellarive could could make you know their NHL debuts, and um, you know they're they're the future right now. Hollander too. Um, so just seeing if they come up and how how they might fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, that could give you reason to be you know look forward to the future beyond the Crosby Malkin era. Yeah, I, I think with too with the additions of Brock McGinn and Dan Heinen. I mean, Heinen with the Bruins when they made their Stanley Cup run back in 2019. I'm doing math in my head. Whenever when it was the, the Blues, I'm like, what year are we in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when they made that run, he was kind of a big part of that. And he was really kind of a contributing mm-hmm. factor. He was kind of one of those bottom line guys that you really could count on to get one of those greasy goals when you needed it to, um, which I thought was kind of fantastic. And if he can kind of get back to that I think there is a lot of upside to him is he going to get back to that I think that's kind of a big question and under the radar I really do kind of like what Brock McGinn brings I think he is going to be a little bit of a physical presence that the Penguins need is he going to be the guy that every single night goes out there and fights everybody no and we also know that that's not really the Penguins thing even though we've heard from Brian Burke say that kind of is where they want to trend towards I'm also I mean just kind of a little bit bigger picture too looking at the relationship and the dynamic we're going to see between Ron Hextall and Brian Burke and how they're Mm -hmm. going to together and potentially what moves they're going to make throughout the season. I think that at least in my mind, it seems Hextall is very calculated with what he does. We saw how he kind of built the system up in Philly, but I think Brian Burke can make a little bit more of those can be kind of that push for a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I don't entirely want to say an aggressive move, but like more than just a calculated move, you know, something along those lines. So I think we might see kind of some intriguing moves kind of throughout the season. I'm going to be very impressed to see that. I mean, I, I'd love to see P.O. Joseph um, get more regular, you know, time. Yep. I, and <laughs> we're talking about what moves could be coming. So he, 
you don't want to shift, you know, a left-handed guy over to the right side. I think they want to kind of keep that balance. So maybe someone like Pedersen or Matheson, if they can move one of them out, open up a spot, open up, you know, salary cap space for maybe future moves, but then also mm-hmm. open up a spot on the left side for PO because, um, I mean, I watched every single one of his games in Wilkesbury after he got sent down and um, he really started hitting more. He was more physical, mm-hmm. um, which is something, you know, he's a you know slender guy uh really something we didn't see from him a whole lot at the nhl level um but yeah you saw a lot of it down there i asked you know jd forrest um the head coach down there is that something that maybe they talked about um with him and he said no but he thinks why we're noticing it more is because the heat peel has gotten stronger you know over the course Mm. of the season so he's able to finish a lot more of his hits um i talked to Pio about that too about you know and he said he 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 personally made it a point to increase his physicality. He said, you know, might as well try it out in the AHL, see how it goes. And he said, you know, like, I know I'm not going to hurt anyone, but I can at least knock him off the puck. Um, And just another off season in the gym for him, I think will be good. I know like the last two off seasons each, he's maybe added around like 10, 15 pounds, um, which, you know, is big. I think he's like 185. Um, So, I mean, if he can, you know, keep adding muscle, he, he's not that that slender, you know, anymore. If he mm-hmm. can add another, you know, ten pounds over the summer, so um, someone like him getting more regular time—that's that's something I think you'd look forward to. Yeah, and I think yeah. the NHL experience. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go, Jordan, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. You go. <laughs> I was just gonna say a quick little tangent. I think the NHL experience, the way that he got it last year, mm-hmm. I think that was kind of super beneficial to his development because yeah. he was thrown in a little bit in the sense where it was like, all right, we don't have anybody left. You're gonna go, but. <laughs> Sometimes that's almost the best way to learn. And I think the short time he was up with the mm-hmm. Penguins, he really got that experience and then was able to take it back to the AHL and say, okay, this is what I need to work on. This is what I need to hone in on and focus. And I think that really is going to help his development, especially coming in next year. If he's kind of called up to the task again and brought back up, it's all right, here's where you're going to fit in. Here's, you know, he has that not a full year, but he has NHL experience to lean on and say, okay, this is where I faltered last year. This is what I did really well. How can I build upon both of those things? Yeah, for sure. Cause they brought him up before he was ready, but, it was out of necessity. They just, they didn't have anybody else. They need, they were just riddled with injuries and they brought him up and he performed pretty well at first. And then his inexperience just started to, you know, showcase itself. And that is normal. So the fact that he was able to get experience at the professional level like that, and then go back down when they didn't need him anymore and work on those things and like hone in on the, the areas where he needed to develop his skill set and even just like his size. Cause yeah, that was the biggest complaint that I saw about him was just tiny, tiny dude. And that's, that's not always a bad thing, but when you're playing on the blue line, you do want a little bit of, you want a little bit of beef behind you. And I, I think that that was something I was going to ask about was, do we think we're going to see him a little bit more? And if we could potentially move a contract, like, Mike Matheson honestly performed again, like Cody Cece, way better than anybody anticipated him playing for the Penguins. So it wasn't like he he was a bad deal, like he wasn't a dud. But his contract is dead weight on on the cap. It's bad. Yeah, I mean that's why I said you know Pedersen. I just think Pedersen would be easier to move. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean he has one fewer deal on his contract. He makes a little bit less than Matheson. Um, 
and and he's younger so if you're going to yeah. be moving you know to like a, if you're going to trade you know them to a rebuilding team to try to shed cap space they probably want someone you know Mathis, uh Pedersen's age over Matheson so I, right. I just think Pedersen would be easier to move and yeah. I don't know he he's shown potential too but um mm -hmm. if you can move him out i feel like on our 66 to 87 show i i talk about trading Pedersen every week and, um, and it's not because he's a bad player i just think you know the the options they have it's you know either him or matheson if you're gonna move a defenseman that's that's probably bad i just think Pedersen would be easier um but i mean speaking of you know prospects probably you know were in the nhl before they were ready drew o'connor we really didn't see a whole lot of him at the NHL level. And when he was there, I mean, he's in a fourth line role, limited minutes. I, I really couldn't, you know, even watching, you know, all of his NHL games, I probably couldn't tell you a whole lot about him. But then when he got mm -hmm. sent down to Wilkes-Barre, he's another one where he really stepped up. He was playing center mm -hmm. and wing, uh, power play, penalty kill. On, on the He was on the first line. Um, and and he, he was great. He, he was just under a point per game. Um, and something that stood out to me from watching him was his play along um, the boards and those tight areas. Just he was really strong in the puck and the plays he was able to make there. And when I when I talked to him down there about what did the what was the message from the coaching staff when he got sent down? What do they want to see him work on? And he said it was you know the wall play and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He said it wasn't really a point of emphasis in, emphasis in college. Yeah. Um, so then watching him over the course of the season, and if that's what they wanted to see from him, he definitely got better. So he's someone else that, um, you know, maybe, you know, could step up on the fourth line, third line, um, while there is an open spot, because he can play center too, he could, you know, fill in that role, either him or redeem Zahorna. Um, so there, mm. you know, that's something I think you look forward to too, those guys who we saw a little bit of last year, just continuing to take those steps. Yeah. And I wonder how much too we're going to see of Evan Rodriguez coming into either that third or fourth line center position, just depending on what they want to do. And I mean, in theory, you look at Sid Car. Well, while Malkin's out, you see Sid, you see Carter, you see Bluger, and then you see Erod. Yeah. And they really, really, really like him. Like you can just see how much Mike Sullivan and that organization not only believes in him and kind of, you know, through his ups and downs, but I mean, they really have a lot of faith in him. And I think we might see a big step from him too. I feel like when you throw guys in adversity in adverse situations, they sometimes, I mean, more likely than not, you see them rise to the occasion. But I think that could be a potential that we see with Erod at the start of the season, at least. Yeah. And I was awesome. fine. I was fine with him as like a, a depth signing too. Um, yeah. I mean, even if there isn't a spot for him, he's the guy that we've seen before can, you know, sit on the sidelines, sit in the press right. box, not play every game and then still come in and contribute when they need him. So, yeah. uh, you know, they signed him for cheap and just what we've seen from him before and the ability to do that. Cause you know, you don't want a prospect as your extra forward, not playing. They need mm -hmm. to be down in Wilkes-Barre playing, but uh, mm -hmm. Rodriguez. Yeah. I mean that I was yeah. fine with that signing cause he can do that and step in and contribute. We've seen that. Yeah. And he did really well in the limited mm -hmm. minutes role that they put him in whenever he mm -hmm. was up on Sid's line. It was like, what is he? What? No, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> but when they when they scaled back his minutes on the ice, he really did well. He's got speed. He's got grit. He really does go out there like he fights for the puck. He has good vision. Um, he has a decent. He does a decent shot. Like it. It's not like he is totally incapable. But it's just one of those players where you're like, yeah, definitely don't put him on the top line. Um, anymore ever, please. Like keep them, <laughs> keep them. Yeah. Fourth line center, totally doable. But looking at 
the the center depth that's that's been an issue for years for this team and especially now that Malkin's going to be out who knows how long like with with that shoulder surgery he's uh he's sidelined for a little bit so what I know that you kind of alluded to Sid Jeff Carter Teddy Bluger maybe Evan Rodriguez but what it what do you think the success rate is of the centers without Malkin? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, something, I mean, Jeff Carter over the course, playing him in those big minutes, I mean, he's getting old. He's 36 years old, playing him in those big minutes. So that's that might be a concern. Is he going to wear down? Especially, you know, over the course, he's, probably, he's not going to be second-line center for all 82 games, but over the course of an 82-game season, especially when he's playing, you know, big minutes to start, um, that could be concerning because um, he didn't play any two games last year as an abbreviated season, but like, you don't want him wearing down, you know, by the playoffs. Because, I mean, the way he finished the season is really strong last year, but it's like, you, you can he keep that up for the course of an 82 game season? I don't know. Um, so I, that's something to worry about, but yeah, I mean, they, they have a, a couple of options for that, that fourth line center. I mean, Rodriguez, um, Zahorna, they have a couple of guys who can play center and can play wing, um, or guys like, like O'Connor. So, um, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see when camp opens, what, what combinations they go with, but, um, they at least have a couple options to try out in case some of those, those guys mm. aren't great at center. It's scary. I don't know. It makes me <laughs> nervous. Uh, I just, yeah. It, and not like... Malkin's getting older too. The the whole core is getting older. I'm just not. I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting predicament that that the team is in. Jenna, what do you make of it? I I mean, I, I, you look at the organization and see what they've been for the last handful of years, and obviously that's a huge thing because of what the core of Crosby, Malkin, and Latang bring. Obviously, what Sullivan has had with this team, just kind of the success that they've consistently had. And I still think, I mean, as someone who covered the Sabres coming into this too, like I think Penguins fans sometimes get a little worked up and I'm like, okay, I promise you, you guys are not in a bad situation at all. Things could be detrimentally worse. And I don't, and like Sabres fans will agree whenever I tweeted about, you know, I think it's like, <laughs> Chris Letang was saying how much they respect the Sabres and how tough of an opponent they are. I had Sabres fans that, you know, followed me still. And they were like, Jenna, please like, don't lie to us. Just, just, just like, he's lying to you. I'm like, all right, guys, of course the team is not going to say, uh, the player's not going to say that. But I think that, you know, we see what the team does whenever Sid or Malkin is out. I think that's what's mm -hmm. so crucial is they always seem to rise to the occasion. Sid always seems to play better when Malkin is out, and that's very hard yeah. because it's Sidney Crosby. And mm -hmm. vice versa when Malkin does the same thing when Sid's out. So I think there will be kind of that rise to the occasion. I'm going to be really mm -hmm. intrigued to see, like Taylor was saying, what we get from Jeff Carter because we did get such a small sample size from him, and it was a really good sample size. Um I mean, I still think they're going to be competitive. We hear that all the time. I think that, you know, they play within the system that they play so well mm. that that is kind of what leads them to success no matter. I mean, again, look at the beginning of last season when I feel like I remember every single defenseman almost was injured. And like we were saying, <laughs> they're going to P.O. Joseph and they still managed to, you know, have the success that they did throughout the season. So mm. it's not going to be this fall apart season, but I think when you do move back to the Metro and you are playing teams like Carolina, 
like the Rangers. I, I don't know if the Rangers are going to kind of be incredible to start out, but I think we're going to see them grow a lot throughout the season. And again, they yeah. added a lot of talent. They added a lot of bodies, a lot of big guys. So, you know, the teams in the Metro, you know, obviously Washington's still really solid. Anytime you have Ovechkin doing what he's doing and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to be intrigued by Philly. Um, I think there's a lot of really good storylines, but I think that they'll sure. still absolutely be a competitive team. They're not going to fall yeah. off the wagon completely. But like Taylor said, it might be a year where it's a really close race and they're trying to, you know, skirt their way into the playoffs as the season ends. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. I, I'm mostly just excited to see the Penguins compete against more than just seven teams because yeah. I felt so disconnected from the rest of the league last year. Whenever mm. we got into the playoffs, I was like, wait, who is doing what elsewhere? <laughs> okay. I felt like I was just trying to play catch up the whole time, but now it's going to be like a better, a broader picture of the NHL and it's going to feel a little bit more normal. But I, I think you're right. The Penguins will stay competitive because I just don't think with Sidney Crosby on the team, they're, gonna not be competitive and regardless of what happens Sidney Crosby's still on the team so it's it's one of those things where you just kind of have to like take that I feel like that's what I'm excited about how many seasons do we have left watching Sid I don't know but we have this one at least so let's let's enjoy it while we have it and I guess take the rest while we come but as as we approach the regular season as we approach preseason and training camp we will definitely be here for all of the all of the coverage all of the news all of the updates and all of our opinions on it so we're looking forward to that for sure but I'm I'm really excited to take this plunge with you both and uh we'll see we'll see what ends up happening this season with the penguins good or bad or mediocre <laughs> yeah it should be fun yep. every thursday yeah, every we'll have, Thursday. We'll doing it. Yep, it'll be great. Well, thank you both so much. I'm just, again, I'm just so excited to be here. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next Thursday for another episode of Podcast on Fifth Avenue.